Welcome back. It's Swing Pass. We've got another all-star game-themed episode here today. I am Adam Ruffner. I am joined, as always, by Daniel Cohen. Last week, we broke down the first 26 players selected to the 2022 AUDL All-Star Game. Today, we will be breaking down the four fan vote categories that you can go vote on live right now at the AUDL.com website. Those four categories are highlight, defense, international, and rookies. Four players in each of those categories, and we will be taking time today to break down our selections, give you a little bit of what we think should go into, I guess, diagnosing, analyzing, uh, establishing metrics for each of these categories as far as what we think, but obviously each individual voter is going to have their preferences it's up to you, but today we're going to be talking about who we think should be representing each of the four categories. Daniel, I'll let you take your first pick from the highlight categories. We've got Ben Yacht of the New York Empire, James Pollard of the Philadelphia Phoenix, Matt Smith of the Atlanta Hustle, and Sean McDougal of the San Diego Growlers. It took me a second there. I almost said Sean McDougal, Los Angeles Aviators. But I got it out correctly in the first time. I just want that to go down on the record. Yeah, this is this is a tough category for me, mostly because I mean it's interesting because Yacht, Matt Smith, Sean McDougal, all three of those guys were in the inaugural 2019 AUDL All Star Game. So you kind of I don't know. I like the idea of having some some new blood in there, some fresh meat. So I. I like Pollard a lot. To me, it's between Pollard and Yacht. I think both these guys are going to fit this format super well. I guess before we we get started on our picks, I do want to go through sort of the general criteria that one could consider going through these different fan vote categories. I think what we came up with, there's definitely going to be an element of how they did in the 2022 season. I feel like that should be probably the most heavily weighted category but then there's a few other things like you might take into account a bit their their general career impact how they've been over the course of their careers you might also look at this specific format and think of guys that like would be most fun to watch in an all-star game or guys that can be most successful in an all-star game especially with these new rule changes which i think that that criteria specifically makes me lean towards yacht and pollard because of the added emphasis on hucks, potentially, both on the throwing and receiving end with the two-point line addition for this All-Star game, I think both these guys could play huge roles in that category. And then also pulling. Pulls are going to be taking from 10 yards in front of the end zone line. And Pollard is, is historically a very impressive puller. And while he played a ton of O-line this past year, Still has the polls to get the job done. I just want to see like these big arm guys have their impacts both defensively and offensively. So that's that's why I'm leaning towards the big guys here. But I guess I have to I have to eventually pick one. I I am gonna go with James Pollard just because I want I want to see how he does in this environment. Watching him in the playoff game against DC, especially in that first half, I I feel like that was just some of like the most pure sport fandom I've experienced, just watching a guy like absolutely dominate both throwing and receiving huge hucks throughout that entire half. And I I would just expect a lot of that. And he is not afraid to put the disc deep. He's not afraid to get downfield. 
And I think that's just going to be a lot of fun to watch in this format. I mean, the man's name is Big Game James, or that's what he should. And there's a reason for that. And I think he's definitely acquitted himself of that nickname after the past season in 2022 that he just had. But I wanted to take a half second and just go back one step because I thought you did a great job breaking down kind of our criteria for how to analyze each of these categories and players they're in. But one of the things I think we also were evaluating is sort of positional utility, how each of these players Mm, might fare out given their normal positions on an AUDL team. And similarly to what Daniel was saying about how polls will be especially emphasized in this new all-star game format that will be play testing, moving polls up 10 yards, thus giving guys like Pollard and the newly emerged Polar Ben Yacht a little bit of extra added value. We also think that players like defenders might take on a little bit of an added significance given the fact that there's going to be such an overwhelming emphasis on offense that if you have a very good defensive specialty, it feels like you're going to stand out. We kind of talked about that a little bit on last episode. We'll obviously be getting into it with the defense category, but I think you hit the nail on the head perfectly with Pollard and Yap. Both those guys have proven to be some of the best two-way players in the league And I think that this first category, the highlight category, comes down to between them. But before I give my pick, I just kind of want to throw some flowers at Matt Smith and Sean McDougal. Because while I think the size of Yacht and Pollard definitely makes them visible favorites as far as two-way players in an all-star exhibition kind of format, Sean McDougal has been quite a defender, especially off of the turn, in transition, earning the disc back for O-line's throughout Mm -hmm. his career he was that again for San Diego and again like Matt Smith he already has that all-star game experience and so I feel like having him on your roster having his just kind of attitude on your team in this kind of environment you could see it his presence felt in the 2019 all-star game I just feel like he's one of those dudes who's good to have around and similarly with Matt Smith I think he although doesn't have the same kind of block and takeaway numbers or even just playtime experience as the other three guys in this highlight category do playing on defensive units he's had really impressive blocks throughout his career I mean this is a guy who has patented the scorpion kick something that people don't (laughs) even try in games if you're unfamiliar with Matt Smith's scorpion kick it's where he kicks behind his head to get kick blocks on his blind side he's done it at least twice in an AUDL game one time it was highlighted like He's, he's one of those dudes who just has a feel. He had an incredible block at the beginning of the 2021 season when uh, Atlanta upset New York in the regular season matchup that they had against the Empire. Matt Smith had that insane against the grain block late in the game to earn the mm-hmm. disc back for the hustle. Like, I, I, think, I, I think I agree with you that my choice will boil down to yacht or pollard but the more i talk about this out loud it's like man you really got to pay your dues <laughs> to guys like smith and mcdougall those aren't those aren't sleeper picks by any stretch of the imagination. not at all no it's it's a loaded category and just thinking back to the rules like stall five is another one that i, I think we talked a good amount last week about this this idea of like i, I guess quicker maybe shorter area defenders and that would fit the mold of Sean McDougal and Matt Smith a lot better than Ben Yacht and James Pollard so maybe we see 
uh, a lot more of a need for for that quickness in that underneath space. And and I don't know. I, I still think there's obviously use for these giants, especially if the two-point line is going to facilitate a lot more hucks. But you could see it going the other way, too. Also, with the Matt Smith scorpion kick, I remember the one he had, I think it was against Austin in 2019. Was that mm-hmm. same game the one he had the Callahan, too? Yes. Did he have a scorpion he was going kick and a Callahan in, in the game. same game? Yeah, he had That's a flying nuts. layout Callahan that he got by like just blitzing at the first swing pass off of the pull uh, from about 20 yards out, swing hit pass. it at full speed, got into the end zone. And then, yeah, later in that same game, Austin was driving and he denied like a goal line pass with a scorpion kick block. I think he also had like uh, a huge sky in that game. It was one of those games where Matt Smith was in his bag. And I, I feel like just saying that, connotates like his representation in this category right like of all of these four players and all the accolades that they have smith might have the most aesthetically pleasing career highlight video of them all and maybe of any audl player ever i mean that dude just yeah has making plays will make more plays it it feels like also it it bears mentioning that he's starting to round into his mid thirties. And while I think that he's lost maybe half of a step off of completely prime apex predator level, Matt Smith half step. I don't think that it's made any difference because the game has just continued to slow down for him. You know, and you, you talk about that, that increased uh, pace of play and how Smith and McDougal might fit better into that. I mean, you go look at the all-time leaderboards for scoring or points played and stuff, you start sorting by offensive efficiency among like the top 50 players ever to play mm-hmm. in this league. Matt Smith, and we talked about this like almost a year ago in a podcast, Matt Smith stands out by like a, a deviation point above almost any of the other greats in terms of his individual impact on offensive efficiency. So. If you're just going to win a game out there, Matt Smith could could <laughs> right. be a much worse selection. But it's it's a loaded category. It's the highlight category. It makes sense that all these guys would be very good and effective in an all-star game format. And I say all that, and I agree with you that Pollard is a fantastic pick for this. But I'm going with the two-time MVP. I can't deny Yacht, man. I after watching him <laughs> switch over midseason to D-line and and I know. His, his just impact. It's crazy to me that while his statistical numbers have gone down just a smidgen and he's not involved in offense, so his his highlight reel itself this year maybe isn't as impressive as other seasons for him, given the insanely high level of expectation that we have for his play. I think yeah. his impact in 2022 might have been as important, if not more so, than any other year he's played for New York. Like, he was just a menace at Championship Weekend. I mean, we talked to him on the podcast. He was, he just, he clearly had a level of just fun and locked inness that I don't think I've quite seen from him before. There was both like a levity about him, and yet at the same time, he had like an edge like he hasn't quite ever had and this is a dude who always plays with an edge you know 
Yeah, his, I mean, but even statistically speaking, it was an incredible season. Because the the fact that he played, oh, yeah. like, totally. I don't know, <laughs> at least 70% of his points on offense in, in 2019, 2021, like his two MVP seasons, and now he went down to less than 50% of his points were played on offense this past year. But his scoring numbers really didn't change so significantly. Still hit 50 goals on the season. 51 is what he finished with. 36 assists like he's still just being his typical efficient self you were just getting so much more of that efficiency and so much more of that help on defense too and and I don't know I mean the empire obviously were loaded with talent but it's it was the the ability they had to shift him around that really like unlocks the second level for a team like that yeah so just to kind of recap our first category, the highlight category, Daniel is selecting James Pollard. I'm selecting Ben Yacht. All due respects to Matt Smith and Sean McDougal. We're moving on to the defense category. Four nominees for the defense category are Dylan DeClerc of the Minnesota Windchill, Nate Goff of the Chicago Union, Marquez Brownlee of the New York Empire, and Joel Clutton from the Salt Lake Shred. This might be the hardest category for me. I think given our criteria, given the difference, like the the variety of kinds of defenders that there are here and the individual skill sets that everyone brings, I, I struggled with this one. Um, I think all four players are eminently deserving of this spot, uh, especially with some of the already listed team selections from the first 26 All-Star selections. Uh, I'm going to kick it over to you real quick. I, I have a sense of who I like. Who do you like I have no, from I, this quartet? <laughs> I have no sense of who I like. We're, we're going to have a conversation about it, then I'll, I'll pick at the end. I mean, first of all, does it does it matter who we pick in this category? I think we, we have really. an inkling of, of who's going <laughs> to come out on top here. But yeah, there's, there's a lot to like about all these guys. Honestly, I'll, I'll start with Dylan DeClerc. Of all of these guys, Dylan DeClerc had the most scores by a pretty significant margin. He hit 40 this past year. The rest of the guys, no one had more than 20 scores. He also was the second uh, leading block getter in the entire league last season. He had 19 on the year. And these other guys, you know, in all in the mid-teens, I think they ranged from 14 to 16, but DeClerc actually had them beat in total block numbers too. So DeClerc is also just one of those like pure defenders that's been around for a while, but I, I think seeing his offensive game elevate this past season was impressive and, and very much a part of the Winchell's defensive identity. So DeClerc had a great year. Nate Goff, obviously a, a World Games member in 2022, really had an impressive uh, World Games. I would say his, his AUDL impact, it, it feels like he's never really like put it all together fully but we've still seen plenty of flashes of like his elite playmaking ability we've seen him jump over guys we've seen him tower over opposing cutters in the deep space he is really like a a reactive big defender who brings a lot of offensive game as well both with his throwing ability and downfield receiving so he'd be a lot of fun to watch Marquez Brownlee, I I feel like we've seen countless Brownlee highlights over the past several seasons, both offensively and defensively. Super athletic. I I probably would give him and Goff the the top two 
athletes uh, in this category, but really Clutton had a fantastic know, season man. too. <laughs> flashing, flashing athleticism that I that? did not know Joel Clutton had. I, was, uh, I don't know yeah, if I've on. done my mea culpa on this podcast live. I think I've done it in pieces, but like <laughs> I Joel went Clutton? into the season bagging Joel Clutton. I'll just admit oh, it yeah. here. I, the last time I saw him was a 2018 championship weekend. We played with Dallas. He was hurt in those two games when the Roughneck, then Roughnecks made a championship game run, eventually losing to the 2018 champion uh, Madison Radicals. Joel Clutton was a feature piece of that Dallas defense, and he was guarding on Ben Yacht and then Peter Graffy in back-to-back days, playing a little bit out of, I think, his peak play shape, and he was getting dunked on a lot. Ben Yacht had like 16 combined scores in that semifinal. Peter Graffy had a series of skies to begin the championship game. I didn't understand some of the hype coming out in the offseason from internal members and players on the Salt Lake Strat about how Joel Clutton was just being a <laughs> And there is a lot of it. There is a lot no, of you talked, yeah. you talked to anybody who would go to their practice. Entire organization. Who are you? Who are you impressed with? And you know, like Joe Merrill, Jordan Curry, blah 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 blah. Joel Clutton. Joel Clutton was always the one where people's eyes would light up, their voice would uptick a little bit, and I was like, yeah. okay, what, sure, expansion <laughs> team, I believe you. We don't get to see him in the first game against San Diego. Straight obviously come out and have that historic upset in their first game ever. The next game they go to LA and they play. I think one of the more underdog teams of the season that gave a lot of teams very good games in the Los Angeles Aviators in a back-to-back second row game, second game ever for Salt Lake Shred. Joel Clutton comes and joins them. He had the chase down block in space on a huck in that game where when the disc goes up, he's about four steps behind the receiver and in space being about half a foot taller than the receiver he's covering. He just overtakes the LA player and just like layout interception catches it at the back of the end zone line, like brings up to front line and they initiate the counterattack in the opposite direction. And I just, from that moment, I've just been on the Clutton thrill show ride. Like it's just been wild to be this wrong. It has been a ride. I I (laughs) love being this wrong. Like it is, it is a thrill unlike any other. Uh, Clutton has just been beast for them like you just saw how they got a different edge too when he was kind of the the a1 defender with the shred like obviously shred had a ton of playmakers they led the league in takeaways this year on defense but like when they had clutton and also dusty green kind of at the front line of that charge they were yeah. mean man like they wanted to come take that disc from you so I don't know. I just had to do my Clutton rant because you were starting. Yeah, to yeah, yeah. Brownlee no, well, and Goff are clear, well deserved clear members, and it's like, man, I, like Clutton <laughs> had a couple of guys this year. His inaugural season in like 2017, 2016, he played for the Austin Soul. He had a couple plays for that team, which I was very much reminded of in this year with Salt Lake, where he just goes up and he owns vertical air. So I see. Anyway. I I think Clutton was. Probably my favorite defender to watch of this group last yeah. year. But I think a lot of that was because of Salt Lake style and because they were so, you know, up-tempo. And, and generally, they played in, like, looser games that that were going to be a, a little more turnover-heavy. That that makes you kind of key in on those defenders that seem to be around the disc all the time. And, like, I, I think teams tested Salt Lake 
deep a lot. Every, every team like wanted to test Clutton. Uh, some of them could do it. Like I loved the Clutton J Fruid battle we got a couple times this past year, but generally you you just like I, I don't know. My eyes just got wide every time there was a disc up in the air and Clutton was in the area. So he offensive was probably the most the entertaining. Game. Oh, offensive Clutton was incredible. I love <laughs> that that was, happened. Uh, that I still have to. I still have to think through if that's going to be like my new uh, Pollard, uh, Pollard Pollard I know. campaign. I, it's such a taste to give a viewing audience to be like, Ugh, hey, we're having a little bit of offensive struggles. What if we put the six foot five guy and just throw it up to him Great. in space and run him on coverage? It's one of Loved those it. simplicity of strategies that I sometimes wish teams would go to more often. I I know that Salt Lake went to that pretty early in that game, and it might have led to sort of the scoring run that Colorado went on in the second half when the Salt Lake defense just kind of ran out of gas and coverage a little bit. But I really like the bold move from Bryce Merrill and the shred coaching staff and just being like, you know what? We're not getting the disc in these first couple of possessions. Let's just put a game changer on offense and get him the disc. Like I would love to see teams do it. Like it was also like like that. The fact that that happened makes me feel like Clutton would be so fun in the All Star game. Put him on offense. Put him on defense. Totally. You use him wherever, and and like you're gonna get a show. Uh, Cody Spicer I, is in this game. They have a potential to like match up across from each other or be on the same line together. You just have oh, yeah. two grizzly bears paralling around out there for you. I do want to get back to Brownlee quickly. Yes, I think in, in terms of yeah. versatility of a, of a yeah. pure defender, I think you got to give it to Brownlee here. And I, I did not know he had it in him to just become not, not only just like a, just shifting from a cutter defender to handler defender, which, you know, he's typically like this this lankier, slightly taller defender that has been making a name for himself as a downfield playmaker. But to shift to a handler defender and take literally like every team's top handler matchup was given to Marquez Brownlee this past season. He took on Sadok, he took on Brissett, he was guarding Pavel in the championship game. Like, that's just so impressive to me and, and kind of out of nowhere that I, I just respect him so much as having that level of versatility as a defender and not just being like, you know, this this pure playmaker in the deep space and relying on like floaty discs to make plays. Like he was just shutting down the reset space a lot of the time and still had one of his higher career block totals. I think he finished with 14 on the year um so I, I it's really tough I, obviously i think brownlee uh has this one in the bag most likely because he yeah. <laughs> tweeted out to his followers and posted on instagram that that he is in the running for this category but but like i do want to you know deservedly give him his flowers for the defensive showcase he put on this past season yeah i mean i i think i'll pull back the curtain a little bit and say that we've uh, submitted our end of season ballots and I I've been on the Brownlee all defense team I think since about like week five I think almost after he matched up against Sadok and Boston in week three that was uh, that was a I, huge game his, yeah I, I think you're absolutely right with his versatility we haven't even touched on his pulling yet he might be the best puller in the league over the last three to four seasons uh one of yeah. the most consistent threats Good As offense too. Still, still makes he's plays very on good offense. in transition. Obviously, his his completion percentage is a bit lower, but he's largely played defense yeah, where you're trying to thing. take those shots. 
he's got a great throwing bag and he's got great range. And I think he's just got a good feel on when to do driving attacks and when to kind of use his legs as a thrower and when to just uncork to somebody, you know, having a breakaway in transition. Um, yeah. But the other thing that I wanted to talk about and the thing that I just keep seeing him elevate further and further is his situational ultimate how you can use him in double teams, how you can use him in trap scenarios on dead discs, how you can now float him onto handlers. And not only is he good in matchup, and I do think he gets beat. I think Saul Yannick did a good job against him in the semifinal game this year. But I think yeah. what Brownlee does a really good job of as a defender is having that mindset of like, okay, you get you know a couple on me, I'll get two or three back from you. Like, I'll shut down this look here. Like, I'll keep coming for you. He doesn't get defeated out there. Like, he takes these top matchups, but he's willing to commit to four quarters of pressuring you every throw, pressuring you every throw, making you mobile, making you move out of your comfort zone as a handler. And he's such a good playmaker and so tall and athletic himself that if somebody messes up resetting to who he's covering, it's just you know, opportunity for him. He just gets to turn into a tarantula mm-hmm. and eat things. You know, I, I think that his ability to still maintain his playmaking while he's in a space that doesn't necessarily facilitate that and makes it so much harder to, I think, stand out as a defensive takeaway specialist is really kind of enshrined in my mind how good Brownlee is. Because I think you know, we've, like you were saying, we've seen the highlights for years and like his numbers right. have been very good. He's one of the most consistent performers in the AUDL, but it's the last few seasons, it's always been the context of, well, yeah, he's playing for the New York Empire. Like he's surrounded by Ben Yad and Jeff Babbitt on D-line half the times. Like, you know, he's got good opportunity in transition. But I think in 2022, it really shifted the entire narrative around all that to, no, those guys are playing on defense with Brownlee at this point. Like he's kind of, I think through a lot of his play alongside Ben Katz and uh, Ryan Holmes and a couple other longtime veteran players on that New York D-line really solidified themselves, excuse me, as kind of like the brain trust and de facto captainship of how New York applies its defense. And just to concur with your point, I think Brownlee is one of the most deserving uh, players on this fan vote ballot, despite the fact that he's absolutely going to crush and, and win this category outright um yeah but he, so he's li- he's listed well i real quick Brantley's listed as 6-3 on the website can you think of like any other big handler defenders and maybe it's just because new york has the luxury of because they have so many big <laughs> defensive players you- they can shift some of them uh more towards the backfield but like have there been any examples of successful big handler defenders you know who was great in the second half of week one in 2021? Brett Holzmeyer. Uh, Atlanta mm. threw him yeah. a bunch of times on Eric Taylor on Carolina, and he was doing a very good job as just a dude who's built That's like true. a fridge. Uh, the the foot speed of Holzmeyer, I think, makes him a really intriguing lane option. And you see that all the time with his patented blitz off the back end zone blocks for Atlanta. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I think for sure. that's been in very spot occasions. I, I don't. Right. Have... It's not his bread and butter necessarily. Uh, whereas Brownlee is like, that would be the position you list him as handler defender. I, yeah. Yeah. I think Steven Milardovich at times when he cycles into that space is good, but he's generally downfield. Uh, he mm-hmm. likes to use his lankiness in space. 
um man yeah i just think it's rare i think he's i feel it's a, like it's a I rare situation passion. i mean andrew meshnick is not a small individual he's like six two six three so okay. i think he's got a kind of bigger yeah although you know do you count a zone defender as necessarily a handler defender well yeah because it's like like fairly <laughs> obviously plays at the front of the zone for atlanta right he's not like a handler defender he but, can be. I think Fairley is another I guess he good example. Be. I think Fairley is another very good example. Yeah, I mean, I guess he he does have that that foot speed necessary. But anyway, to your point, yeah, I think it's I think it's a very rare skill to ha- possess yeah, that kind yeah. of height and also possess the kind of mobility that Brownlee has. All right, is it voting time? I don't know voting what I've time. convinced I went, myself of. I went second last first. time, so yeah, I'll go first. Um, I'm going against the consensus pick. I'm just going to give my my fan vote true heart here to Joel Clutton. Uh, I I think it was pretty obvious from the way I was enshrining him earlier. But uh, I I just I with all due respect to Declerc Goff and Brownlee, Clutton's highlight ability in this format just it it really tests the limits of my imagination. Like just watching him go big boy against <laughs> other. <laughs> all-stars is like what i want for this game like yeah so badly and it's just not gonna happen like it's not in the realm of possibility even like i'm sorry (laughs) i was i was mostly thinking of him as a defender because this category is is the defense category and i was just thinking back to his defensive highlights which which were you know also arguably the best of this entire group last season but thinking back to to offensive clutton in the playoff game, I can't, I can't deny that. So I'm gonna agree with you. I'm gonna take Joel Clutton as well, uh, which you know, again, are meaningless votes. But but if Clutton's listening to this, you know, I hope he understands that this is a, a very well well deserved fan vote just to be nominated in general. He swept the defense category according to this illustrious podcast. Uh, That's right. Pretty good. <laughs> Next up, we have. <laughs> The international category featuring Yiping Wang of the Detroit Mechanics, Siraj Madaraju of the Carolina Flyers, Quentin Bonad of the Montreal Royale, and Jorge Delgado of the Tampa Bay Cannons. Wang representing China, Madaraju India, Bonad France, and Delgado Colombia. Uh, Colombia, correct? Uh, uh, Venezuela, actually. Venezuela, I'm so sorry. I, they I, have such similar-looking flags, though. I will yeah, say. I had the flag Same in colors. my head. That's what I was going off of, and just general Colombian ultimate. But yeah, all yeah. due respect, Venezuela has some fantastic players like Delgado. He was a speed demon this year for the Cannons on offense. Uh, I'm really interested in this category because I think it has some of the most variable options. Uh, you have a couple... You have a defender who's great in Madaraju, two good receiving options in Bonad and Delgado, and Wang, who is also a pretty serviceable defender in his own right and, and a little bit bigger than either of the other three. Um, mm-hmm. I think for me, this comes down to utility in the All-Star Game format primarily, and also just a little bit of credence for, I think, somebody who's gets betrayed by statistics. And for my pick for this category, I'll just put it out there up front. It's Siraj Mataraju. Um, if you follow me on Twitter, I've always been pretty vocal about how visible his impact is when you look at the film and how the Flyers like to play defense. 
his handler coverage and ability to rotate and still cover players downfield is so important for how the Flyers like to play. And I think especially in the sped up tempo environment where you're going to be having a lot of people learning how to play together on the fly, a player like Madaraju and his ability to have such high IQ in live game environments and be able to still make pinpoint decisions is going to be so, so valuable in the all-star game. I just think he's going to have one of those impacts in a way in which everyone's kind of playing in one way and his skill set will allow him to kind of go against the grain and make some individualistic plays that I don't think anyone else in the format might be able to make a play like that. Like I just think of his ability to get hand blocks, his ability to kind of read offensive flow in a way in which he can anticipate where the disc is going a lot of times before the offense is even able to get into position. I just think little things like that are going to add up very quickly in which all 30 of these players are going to be adapting to a new rule set in a live environment. Mm -hmm. So a player with Madaraju's intelligence is just going to bear a lot of weight. Yeah, this, I don't know. As we're going through these categories, I feel like maybe I'm putting more weight than I would have initially thought on just like who, who I think would be the most fun (laughs) to watch in an all-star game. And we saw Bono play, in the 2019 All-Star Game, and he was a delight. Uh, one of the most... Sneaky effective. Uh, yeah, one of the always. most like non nonchalant-looking downfield receivers that is just so springy, but doesn't look like he's trying that much, but just like casually rises up for these really impressive, really like in-flow, in-rhythm grabs, particularly downfield, particularly in the end zone. He has made a name for himself as one of the best goal scorers in the entire league when he's been healthy. He came back from injury this season, and I, it was weird because he like he started off kind of playing some D-line in the first game. I feel like they were just kind of easing him into action, but then all of a sudden they just like threw him into the, the fire that was the Montreal offense, and he scored 23 goals in five games. So still very much has that same goal-scoring ability that made him a league leader in 2019 when he was in the All-Star game, finished with 83 goals that year in 12 games. This this category decision, I to me, it's between Madaraju and Bono, and it, and it comes down to just like, do I want another defender or do I want like a fun offensive playmaker? So if I if I weighed the criteria in a way that like took into account the rest of the All-Star roster, I would say, yeah, it's it's nice to have more defenders, especially with testing out the stall five rule again, I, I think we're going to probably see the most impact from this rule or, or really like test it in the context of having good defenders, particularly in the backfield in those smaller space situations. But I still, it's still hard for me to pass on Canton Bonneau considering how highlight friendly he is and, and how he just like seemingly uh, can always fit into the flow of an offense like we saw in the 2019 All-Star game. So I, I'm i going to disagree with you just for the sake of disagreeing. But this is this is really, again, just like, what do you favor more? I think right now I'm favoring just like pure watchability. I want to I wanna have fun while watching. I want guys that are fun to see play. And I think Bono has shown a lot of that over his career. Hand blocks don't get you up. Reset handler defense. Not, not the just, not the same way. I mean, they do, fancy. they do, but like, ah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, I would, I would respect whatever the results of this 
vote produced. Like Madaraju is a fantastic defender. And I, I love, I do love watching him in the context of the Flyers system where they have a bunch of these guys that can shut down their matchups, can really like make an impact in that backfield space in addition to the underneath space. And I think he, he is a versatile defender, which I like too, but I don't know. I'm just, I'm leaning highlights. I want, I want more highlights. Kintambo nods. 2019 season. I will say, but he's had some defensive highlights too. He'll he'll lay out underneath stuff too. I was going to say when he scored 83 goals in 2019, which by the way, set this, uh, the season record for goals per game. I had 6.92 goals per game, breaking the record previously held by Misha Freistotter when he had a 92 goal season or 94 goal season in 2015 or whenever that was. But in 2019 for Bonad, he had 14 blocks. And I will just say anecdotally, at least half of those were big layout blocks, like on an undercut or something like he's not just standing around swatting down discs in transition. He is going and getting. Uh, So I totally respect the Bonad pick. I just... I want more handler defense representation, man. And I think Madaraju has been really deserving with his play the past, you know, two seasons, especially. Yeah, I I would not be upset. And and like I said, I I think if we do get like a a full test of this stall five rule, it's because we're going to have like intense defenders in that in that backfield space in particular. So. What if he gets like five hand blocks? Like, what if he just gets five hand blocks? I mean, then people are making, it'd be cool. Trying to do more like cool. dishy passes, and he's just anticipating that lane look and getting his hands. Do you up think quick you, you think he's gonna get five five hand blocks on this roster of of all stars? I don't know. It I'm might just find saying. it hard for us to to really get in the head of Rowan or Mod or Oscar. We'll I'm see. not saying it would necessarily happen. I'm just saying as an example, hypothetically, if the rule set suddenly made a, a player like Madaraju who excels at a few particular things, if it just elevated that in a statistical way, wouldn't that be cool? Um, yeah, it would be. In the same way we might find out James Pollard or Ben Yacht are total cheat codes with the two-point line or something. Um, <laughs> right. It's good to have moving on, ball, guys. Moving on to the final, and uh, I think maybe I, I know I said the defensive category was the hardest, but I think this rookies category might also be just as difficult to decide between. The final category is rookies. There are four representatives: Oscar Stornhouse of the Toronto Rush, Kyle Rutledge of the Chicago Union, Quinn Finer of the Colorado Summit, and Asher Lance of the Chicago Union. When I first looked at this quartet, I saw Quinn Finer's name. I was like, done. He was my pick for rookie of the year in our end of season balloting originally. I, I was all aboard the Finer train. And then I started to go through and I watched uh, a few more Chicago Union games over the past few weeks. I remembered how good Oscar Stonehouse was at the beginning half of the season for the Toronto Rush, how dynamic he was, how he's still only 18. The hair... The mullet, the curly permed mullet, like that in prime time. That would be such uh, a welcome addition to the All Star Game. Just want to say. I mean, that. just if it would make mullet. people. It would make people happy. It's like if we brought yeah, yeah, yeah. A, a really really cool dog or something. Like not only good, is Oscar good for watchability, an incredible player and very very highlight friendly and one of the young stars of this league. It would also just be really cool to see some hockey hair representation from the Canadian 
provinces. Um, but I just kind of want to get into each of these these players for a second. I think in particular Finer. Um, I was also watching a bunch of Colorado film recently, and I you know it's one of those things where they did one of the best jobs as an expansion team ever of getting very notable veteran stars from this league in John Nethercutt, Jay Frood, Matt Jackson, Dave Wiseman, et cetera, et cetera, that it was hard to calibrate how their rookies would impact the overall win chances for Colorado and just the general depth of playmaking, I think, on the summit. And yet, even in a field with that many stars and different talents, Quinn Finer might have been their team MVP this year. Like just going back and taking from game one through game, what was it, 15, 16 for the summit this year, um, mm-hmm. he he was just incredible. Like he was just making highlight plays. At times he's just 40 yards from anybody catching a disc on a hook from Atkins or Nethercut or Fruit or somebody. Like he had so many high degree of difficulty highlight plays and then he had so many goals and scores where he's just alone in the end zone. And what, he was one of the biggest yardage gainers in the entire league in his rookie season. He was one of the top scorers. He's one of the most efficient and precise throwers in the league, even as he has one of the best ranges in the division, if not the league as a whole. I just could not be more impressed with Finer, and I still think he's my pick. But man, like the two selections from Chicago... Kyle Rutledge and Asher Lance, those dudes were so good for their squad this year. I think, you know, we've talked often in the past few weeks and months about how dead wrong we were about the union maybe taking a step back this season after their semifinals appearance in 2021. And Mm -hmm. two of the biggest reasons why they didn't do that was because of Kyle Rutledge solidifying everything that Chicago did offensively. And Asher Lance being one of the best defensive playmakers in the Central Division, if not the league as a whole at times. Rutledge just complimented everyone on that offense. Yeah. Like, yeah. like pair him up, put him in the same conversation as like one other player. And it was like, yeah, they were great compliments this year with Pavel, with Ross, with Jeff Weiss downfield, with Jack Shanahan. Like he he really took on a variety of roles. And, and we were talking about it a bit before we started recording, but like his his ability to pick those spots to attack downfield and had several like big layout highlights on big hucks after he released out of the backfields. I think he was one of the more versatile players on this union team that, that sort of shined in their versatility as a whole. So I, I very much like identify him as a big contributor to the success of this team and the, the continued success rolling over from the season before and Asher Lance. Yeah, he, He's also like, he's kind of a highlight friendly defender too. Like he's tall, he's lanky, he's going to go up for the disc. He also will make plays on the other end, you know, busting loose behind the defense in transition. I was super impressed by him, did not know who he was before this year, but I, I think his his rookie impact was was definitely one of the more sizable in the league, especially because we had so many questions about the union defense coming into the year, right? It was like no Drew Swanson this year. Von Allen Gielen was gone. Gone. They lost Peter Graffy and Kurt Gibson. So there were just a lot of like vacancies there. And I think Lance filled so many of those. I will say uh, Quinn Finer, I think, has the right balance of like highlight plays from this past season, statistical 
dominance and just overall rookie impact where I agree with you. I, he, he would be my pick as well, but Stonehouse, I, I feel like has just as much like all-star game fun to watch highlight potential as Quinn Finer. He had so many of those just like running down sort of an upline uh, huck or an upline throw and just laying out for it. Uh, repeatedly made those plays early on in the he, season when he was playing a little bit more consistently. Game. I forget who was against at home, but he had a game where he started off the game in the first quarter with like three layouts in the first five Toronto offensive possessions. <laughs> they were just kind of like isolating him on upline cuts near the end zone, and he would just accelerate past whoever was on him and just lay out into space for something. Like they weren't super duper impressive. Like it, it's kind of a standard layout for but they a were pro, nice. But he has time, he has good form like, layouts. They're yeah, pretty. no, stacking him up back to back. He had a great layout at New York this <laughs> season. Like I, I'm all yeah. aboard the Stonehouse hype train. Also, I, like, does the hair is the hair enough to get him in? The hair is. I don't know. I'm thinking about it. The hair is worth right. a lot. Like, so, so I give Finer the own. statistical edge, but if it's a wash in highlights, and then you give a significant hair edge to Stonehouse, not that Finer's hair is bad. I just think Stonehouse kind of sweeps in that category. It's tough. I don't know. Stonehouse is MVP of hair in 2022, I would say. By by almost like a margin. Like that that yeah. firm mullet, that is that is a hard combo to come by. Like that thing is glorious, man. You just get him in frame and it's like a better viewing experience. Uh he played 10 yeah. games this past season. The last time he played was July 2nd. I think we all just wanted to see more of of the mullet they were they were experimenting using him on some defensive rotations too kind of yeah using him in the lane allowing him to kind of go hunt and use his speed and instincts to earn the disc back so that would be interesting to see i just wanted to go back okay i liked i liked him more on offense but yeah sorry go ahead oh no i i just wanted to add to asherland's that dude drew, yeah. drew the Jeff Babbitt matchup in the championship game. And while Jeff obviously still got his, Lance, I thought, did a very good job of just challenging discs, especially on unders. You know, one of the mm-hmm. things that's so hard about Jeff Babbitt is his combination of foot speed and size where he can just seal out a lot of times. He can just simply deny through his positioning a defender's ability to even sniff at the disc. And Lance was challenging him. He was kind of like able to almost outmaneuver him on the backside and use part of his length to get at the disc a few times. And again, while Babbitt still had a great championship game, he came up with that huge buzzer beater at the end of the third quarter that just sort of sealed the end run for the Empire's perfect season. Lance was right there on that play. And he, if you go back and you watch, he was super frustrated he didn't get that one. Like he, he wanted to be there. And... Just given given the stage, given the caliber of his opponent, seeing a rookie just sort of like be hard nosed out there for four quarters, I I think that that's a tremendous tremendous pickup for Chicago. Like, how many other teams get a rookie that gets to step in and just kind of go toe to toe with Jeff Babbitt? Like that is that is a piece to find. He also kind of like evolved throughout the season too. Like I, I viewed him early on as just sort of a, a spark pu- spark plug type role player but then by the end of the season i would say he was like a top i don't know four or five defender on that starting d line and and just like a a staple so really cool to see his development throughout the season i I still feel like there's a lot of of offensive game and transition uh that he he can build on in years to come but 
for right now, I mean, like having that start as a rookie, you know, right out of college, he, he had an incredible season. And yet with that, I still feel like Finer is a pretty clear. Finer is still my pick. Uh, <laughs> apologies to Oscar Stonehouse and his incredible hair, but Finer is still my pick. He's a beast, man. I'm really excited to see <laughs> how they come back in year two because I feel like they're one of those teams that they're not happy, pretty obviously, with their semifinals performance against Chicago and only scoring 14 points after being one of the top scoring teams in the league and the best deep mm-hmm. attack all season. You know, now having a year underneath of them, Colorado going into year two with the amount of young talent that they have. Man, they were already scary. They were already one of the four best teams. We were already talking about them in the semis and the possibility of them being dark horse. And while that didn't turn out to be the case, they're only going to get better, it looks like. Yeah, I think so. By the way, have you actually cast any votes? I I haven't cast any because I thought I thought for a while that we only had one vote, but now it turns out you can vote every day. So I was kind of waiting to just you know reflect a bit more before making my picks. So yeah, I haven't actually voted, my... but when we get off this, I'm, I'm going to cast my, my four votes that I said. No, I've been casting a solemn Joel Clutton vote in the defensive category <laughs> every day. Just putting my good, my little good. bit of tuppence towards the landslide of Brownlee votes that's going to be besieging our site. That, you know, the Brownlee effect is that the website shut down last Friday when the voting he did break. Like he, he broke the website. He yeah. broke the website briefly because so many nerds had to come in and slam the vote button on him. Uh, no no regard for our infrastructure. But no regard. None. <laughs> but that'll do it for uh, this episode of Swing Pass. Again, you can go to AUDL.com and cast your fan vote today and every day leading up to October 28th. That is when All-Star Game voting will cease. The All-Star Game itself will be on Saturday, November 20... Excuse me, November 12th. Providence Park in Portland, Oregon. Tickets are on sale, and you will also be able to watch it live on AUDL.TV on the night of the big event. We will be back next week, likely to discuss season end awards. Stick close and stay tuned to AUDL social media. Announcements will be forthcoming next week. We will be ba- yeah. we will be back, excuse me, to talk to you then. I'm Adam Ruffner, and for Daniel Cohen, thank you so much for tuning in to Swing Pass. We will talk to you soon. Bye now.